Welcome to Before Showtime with Connor Marcello. This is Connor speaking. And this is Marcello speaking. How are you doing today, Connor? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Did you get a lot of sleep last night or not really? Um, Not too much. Not as much as I expected at least because I was working pretty tirelessly on two papers. Two papers. Jeez. Yeah. Are they both on film in some capacity? No, one of them is partly about film. It's from Cinema in the 20th Century, which is partly a history class on New York, but also we have film screenings there. So it's a bit of both. And the other is an English class. Got you. Well, today what we're going to be doing on this episode is a inside review starring Willem Dafoe. My man. One man show, as we've been saying. And Willem then Dafoe, we're. One man show. Yeah, it does rhyme. And then we're going to follow that with a John Wick Chapter 4 review. And then That's also... That's going to be the meat of the episode. Yeah, we're going to do two rankings, one of which is a John Wick movie ranking, and then also a top five action sequences in the John Wick franchise. Yeah. The list was particularly hard for me to do because there are so many good action sequences in this franchise. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. A lot of innovative use of how to use the action, I think, for some of these scenes that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, definitely some of the better action sequences in modern cinema, at least of the past 20 years. Yeah, but first let's do an inside review because that just came out as well. It's getting a little bit smaller of a release than John Wick Chapter 4, as far as I can tell. Obviously. Um, do you want to give a background on the movie? Connor? Yes. Inside is a very small scale, more or less chamber piece, where Wom Dafoe is part of an art heist, got her eye. He, he and his gang try to go into the penthouse of this known performance and visual artist. And because they have in this fancy penthouse all these different devices, he gets locked in the penthouse. And he's there for the whole movie. Yeah, it's nobody. Just him most of the time. Nobody's going to help him because even a guy on the radio is like, "You're on your own." Literally in the first five yes. minutes of the movie, and we don't even see anybody else involved in the heist, really, yeah. except for him going in because he's the one responsible for trying to find the self-portrait, for sure, of this artist. Well, we got to talk about Willem Dafoe first and foremost, right? This movie would not work without him. Yeah, if, I'm being if, honest. if you're going into this movie expecting a ton of other characters, you're going to be surely mistaken. No. Because this is literally a one-man show. Yes, there are some side characters that have very small bit parts. They but really just show up on the video cameras and in brief dream sequences later on. Yeah. But it's it's all him. The camera right? doesn't really leave him for the most part. And even when it does, it's it's about his psychology, right? It's about what's going on in his head. Yeah, and it's juxtaposed with it being shot in scope and showing off the fancy penthouse. But it's really, again, a chamber piece. It's about him trying to be at his most resourceful and try to escape the penthouse but also learn to live in it yeah i think he it, there's an acceptance portion of the film where there is like this just impending doom that he can't get out of this penthouse yeah no there's and a sense of hopelessness you just get here. to see like the downfall of somebody that's locked in a room for quite too long which kind of gave me 
uh, parallels with the pandemic a little bit, something that people could maybe relate to yeah. being stuck in a house. Even if you do have money, it's not necessarily a luxury. In that respect, it would make for a great companion piece with The Lighthouse. Definitely. Being both films about Willem Dafoe going mad while, tra- in this case, trapped, but both isolated in a particular claustrophobic location, yeah. slowly going mad. And the, and the madness that Willem Dafoe is able to express in his just impeccable acting, I think only a few actors could probably pull this. This and... part was clearly written for him. Yeah. What do you, in terms of his whole career, he's had many performances. Where does this rank for you in terms of how good it is? I would say it's one of my favorite roles of his, but it, even if it's not a top tier Defoe performance, even if it's not S tier like Lighthouse or Eternity's Gate or Platoon, it's he's gonna give a memorable role no matter what. Yeah, I'm on their same boat. I'm not sure if it's like S tier where it's like the top level performance I've seen from Defoe because like you said, the Lighthouse, I would probably rank it above it in like, terms of performance. There are three at least three roles that he should have won an Oscar for. Yeah, but if we're gonna just go strictly off like how good the acting is in this, I would say it's a top five for his in his career. Partly because it's really, once again, it's about him. He's the star. No other real, even supporting characters that show up in that same location. Which I think has partly to do with why some of the movie works because it does feel like an art exhibition that you're attending and you're just yeah. watching like this weird painting but instead of a painting it's Willem Dafoe going mad right over time yeah and him going mad at the sound of the Macarena playing whenever he opens the refrigerator door and him talking to pigeons right 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 what are you having tonight chicken yeah, do we have to talk about... You know I, how much I've sacrificed. I really liked when it shows how desperate he has to go in terms of the food he has to eat in the house. Yeah, he even, he has to, he can't even flush the toilet even. Yeah, because something good to know is the house that he's in is for an artist, right? The original guy yeah, is an artist. Yeah, every maneuver that you have to do in order to complete the basic necessities, like turn on the sink and open and close the door. It's all electronic. It's all controlled by Alexa. Yeah. And also, I thought what was really cool, too, is the different paintings in the house actually start to represent the different parts of his journey. Yeah. And they actually credit the paintings as, like, a character because they do kind of operate like characters in the movie. Yeah, later on, if you actually watch the credits of the film, instead of the basic cast listing starting first... Right after the director, producer, star credit, they credit all the paintings. Yeah, all the paintings. Which I think is not something you typically see in movies because definitely I've seen paintings in movies, but I've never seen it actually at the forefront. Yeah, as like a literal character in the cast, which is a kind of an interesting way to go about it. What did you think of? the fact that maybe there wasn't a lot of side characters. Do you think that maybe hindered your experience a little? I think it, if if anything, it did help. But when they started introducing side characters through later dream sequences, I felt like that was when the story starts getting a little less cohesive. Because later on, you see this woman that's outside the, outside his room and yeah. 
going up and down the stairs and listening to music on the other side of the wall. And she shows up in one of the dream sequences. And this artist shows up in one of the dream sequences as well. I'm not opposed to the surrealism showing up. But even then, I felt like it should have just focused on Willem Dafoe. Yeah, because I think the movie didn't know whether to balance uh, whether being surrealist or or hyper-realistic. Because some of the things he has to do in order to survive in this film is, like, you could say out there, but it really isn't because he's just, like, grabbing bedposts, like, strapping them together to make, like, a tower so he can climb so something. So climb to the, to the one top window of the building. So it's so not necessarily, like, trippy, right, The what he's doing, but I think at points the movie tends to go, like, trippy and surreal when I was like, wait, I thought this was a survival movie in the New York penthouse. Yeah, and a lot of that is credited to Willem Dafoe himself because at, and his performance because he adds such a veneer of dark humor to it that, in all honesty, this isn't a comedy, but I was laughing a lot while watching this movie. Yeah, I think, like, to the movie's credit, too, you have basically one character. It didn't bore me. I wasn't no. bored, and I think it's because, like we've been saying, Dafoe is such a great actor, so interesting to watch on screen. I'm never like, what are you going to do next? Because I actually don't know. Did you even expect, like, the pigeon part, weirdly? No. I knew he was going to go crazy. I, knew, I didn't yeah, know I, he was going to, like, do, like, a full-on, like... I knew he was going to do a Defoeism and do something kind yeah. of out there and funny. Yeah, but I didn't it. expect that with the pigeon. I thought that was interesting. Because uh, it, it does kind of show his psychological downfall yeah. that he's literally talking to pigeons outside. Yeah, I'm just waiting for this movie to become a meme. Honestly, I there's, hope it doesn't. Though there's already that one image of him with the with the rotten oranges. Yeah, that he true. throws at the window. There's a lot of moments in this movie for sure, but there yeah, are like more of these like scenes. you said, the cohesion of the plot doesn't always work. So I will have to say that's something in my experience. I was a little left like, oh, a little bit undercooked for me at times. Yeah, th and towards the last third of the film, when you start getting into more of the dream sequences, I felt like. I felt like maybe 10, 15 minutes could have been shredded off. Yeah, but to their credit, they didn't have, like, a ton to work with, and they did a lot, I think, with Defoe. They didn't waste his time. Like, he showed up on set, he performed. You're going to get a good experience. Do you want to pivot to the spoiler section of this review? Yes. All right. Spoiler um, section starting now. Let's go. Yeah, and this film is currently still playing in some theaters, so check it out and support it because it's a smaller movie. And it could use your support and pay for a ticket. If Psychological you're thriller, go watch it for sure if you're into that. Yes. I think I think he dies at the end. I think so too. So basically for some context, at the end of the film, Defoe has this huge tower full of bedposts that he's strapping with different pieces of cloth and bedding. And he climbs up a bit. And after he, falls gets... up, he falls down it multiple times. Yeah. So the very last time he climbs up of it, he's actually injured in his leg because he broke it earlier. Yeah. And he's climbing up and he uses an ice pick and it finally breaks the piece of glass that he was trying to break the whole movie. And the screen kind of goes white as like you can't see if he escaped it or not. It very much reminds me of the ending of Last Temptation of Christ, another default, great default performance. Yeah, I'd agree. Where I, I, the screen goes white and the film rips as he as Jesus is asking for his crucifixion. Because I think too, if he had escaped, they would have shown like him like his leg like yeah, no. finally getting out. And plus, 
that happening that way almost makes it feel like a descent into the heavens. Yeah, because at that point, too, he was talking about, like, whether he was going to go to hell or not with, like, the yeah. Bible he found with the dead body in the hallway. Do you remember that part? He straight up found, yeah. like, a dead body in, like, a secret compartment room in one of the in one of the drawers, right? Or not a drawer, like, a literal, like, place. Cabinet. Yeah, cabinet with his clothes. And he starts wearing the guy's clothes, too, which I thought was interesting. What did you think of his little dream sequence with the maid that was kind of sexual at points? Yeah, that was that was definitely one of the more surreal moments in the picture. Yeah. I don't think it completely worked, though, within the context of the story. I think I it guess, was a distraction. But yeah, to, I, yeah, I do. I can understand why they did that, because he does secretly feel a bit of attraction for her mm-hmm. because partly because there's no one else around and that's one of the only people he actually sees on the video cameras. And then yeah. when they switch to another video, he's like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, I liked those little, I that know was, that, that was, was probably funny. not even scripted too, which I kind of liked the, the Defoeisms that he threw in there. They weren't too like, I don't know. I didn't find it forced. I thought it was actually like, I could buy this guy not being able to see a woman for a while and, and like actually getting mad when she disappears off the screen. Right. Ah, fuck. Because he even starts talking to them, like, through, like, yeah. the TV, which I really like. Yeah, because it looks like he's talking to himself, but he's actually, in his mind, he's he's got nobody else around. So he's, he kind of, if there's anybody he can talk to within his own mind, it's them. Yeah. What did you think of the part? Yeah, what did you think of the part towards the end where he starts like actually drawing spirals and getting full cult mode into his? That was, I think, the the easiest way to interpret it as maybe is as maybe somewhat of a parting gift slash middle finger to the artist because he he even his mindset is that mm. even if he dies in this building he's gonna leave something behind yeah he he and he starts developing this obsession but also this animosity towards this very privileged artist who's world famous and has gallery exhibitions everywhere and already based on this penthouse already lives a pretty indulgent life yeah, I think that's the thing he's struggling with too is he's trying to find like what was the point of all of this like I went into this penthouse and I stole this guy's or I was attempting to steal this guy's yeah, art. But he couldn't even find it yeah. at first and it was even so well hidden in the secret room. Also, isn't it implied like that's the guy like he never really left like he never went on vacation like they were implying with like his daughter or something. He's still he's still a presence. Yeah, he's there. I think he's was that his dead body? Cuz I interpreted it like that might be his dead body. Could be. Cuz what man was that that he found in that room and, and he kind of hid his face a couple and times. And plus it kind of seems like he spends weeks probably months in that in that building because it would wouldn't it explain too why the refrigerator has no food the power system of like his flushing system is not working so defoe has to take a dump in the guy's bathtub remember they show that shot with all the shit in it i was like i think it's because the guy hasn't been there in a minute is what what they were implying probably plus he's probably traveling so much and has this private jet carrying all of his stuff 
going from exhibition to exhibition yeah on his like next tour of his work and might we add that i think the theme of the movie because it starts on a willem dafoe monologue about artists for keeps right yeah and him saying like there are three things i i want to keep one of them is my acdc album one of them is this one of this one of them is that and i like gave them all away but one of them has stayed with me yeah, and it's it's the art because his his argument is art lasts forever even when you die, which is yeah. kind of an interesting part of the movie that I actually really enjoyed them exploring, especially with Defoe because I'm sure Defoe has thought about this like when it comes to his acting, like why do I do it? Yeah, because right? he is at this point such a veteran actor and such a such a heavyweight. Yeah, that we already know that his work is gonna last. Yeah, pretty obviously. I think he's. Arguably a top 20 male working actor for me. Of, he's definitely one of the best living actors. Because are we going to talk about the fact that No Way Home, he's the best villain in that out of six villains in the movie? Yeah. And he may be the best MCU Spider-Man villain we've ever had, in my, uh, my opinion. something of a scientist himself. And it's because, I think it's because Defoe kills it in the role. Is that just Don't me? Don't tell Harry. <laughs> so, yeah, if... If I'm going to be straight up, like, if you're not a fan of Defoe, like, I'm not, I don't think you should watch this movie. Yeah, I'm not sure if you'd be sold on the movie. Um, even, even, I think Willem Defoe is really, for me, the selling point of the movie. I wanted to see it because he was, it was going to be just him the whole time. Same, same. And for me, like that, for me, at least, yeah. Defoe is enough because he's one of my yeah, and, and I do have to give it credit. Like the the way it was shot was like it was pretty aesthetically pleasing. You know, nothing I could pinpoint in terms of criticisms on that. So, the filmmaker did a good job. This is uh, their debut feature, correct? I think they did another feature beforehand, but um, I think he's a Greek filmmaker. Uh, Vasilis Katsupis. Sorry, if I, film. sorry if I butchered your name. But it doesn't seem like this film, My Friend Larry Gus, got much of a release. Mm. Is is this a foreign film, My Friend Larry Gus? Uh, yes, it is a Greek film. Wow. Okay. So this is his first, probably. It, it was, I think, an international co-production too. It oh, was, okay. There were a bunch of production companies credited in the opening title sequence. Yeah, because this budget, might I add, I don't think it was the highest. Correct? Yeah, pro it definitely seemed like it was a smaller film, and. I wouldn't be surprised because it is a chamber piece. Yeah. This would definitely be cheap to make. Yeah. I do have to say, though, the Macarena uh, little needle drop, it worked for me. It definitely worked. That That's another me working hey, moment, might Macarena. And he puts his head in the freezer. I was like, okay, Willem Dafoe, let's go. Never thought that would have made my day. Yeah. Well, that about concludes it for our spoiler section of Inside. Shall we go on to the Baba meat? Yaga. This is the big one, guys. And, John Wick, Chapter 4. And I wrote my letterbox review of this film with a fucking pencil. <laughs> I, I hope you did, because guess what, guys? John Wick, Chapter 4 might be a must-see in theaters. I'm going to go out and say it. It is a great time at the cinema if you know what you're getting into. If you don't like gun violence, don't go into John Wick Chapter 4. But if this... you are if you like Keanu Reeves kicking some booty, kicking some major, major booty, you'll love this movie. All over a fucking puppy. Yeah. This, this yeah. may be the best in the series to date. 
I think well, I'm gonna talk about that during my rankings, but I really liked this one. I think it's it's definitely stronger than Parabellum Chapter Three for me. I would say so too, even though I I've enjoyed all of these films thus far. Yeah, do you want to give like a little bit of story of what what is happening in Chapter Four for the audience? So now John Wick is up against the yeah, high table. The high table, which is the organization, like basically of he all used the assassins. to. Yeah, and the one he's been trying to like deal with because they don't like that he returned right yeah we all he know still that. he still has obligations to them some some debts to collect but can we add bill skarsgård who plays it the it clown is starring as the main high table bad guy right for this who film is very exaggeratedly french for some yeah. reason what did you think about him did it work for you he worked as a as an antagonist although i think the primary rival of John Wick that still worked for me was probably Donnie Yen. Yeah, I think if I, it, it was a little bit more memorable, Donnie Yen, out of the two. Like, But that's the thing is Donnie Yen has that more complicated part. I think Skarsgård yeah, got dealt like the more cartoony bad yeah, guy Yeah, he's definitely the, the exaggeratedly European bad guy. Whereas like John Wick and Donnie Yen both have this mutual respect for each other and even participate in the same fight sequences later on because i think what is a interesting parallel the movie makes is john wick is the amalgamation of americana action hero right yeah and donnie yen is clearly the asian martial He's artist the hong kong martial arts representative and they're his... and they respect each other's forms because they're different but at the same time they do the same thing which is to entertain mass audiences yeah. right and even then they have completely different fighting styles too, way different fighting styles both inform their characters yeah let's not say to the audience but donnie yen has a very interesting part to play with his character right he has like a thing about him where you're like oh that's cool when he when he is in the fight scenes he uses his his stick to move around as a as a murder weapon yeah i think i think audiences it's will get a kick out memorable. of it i do have to say i Felt at times for this one why maybe it didn't peak for me as much as the number one for my ranking list is because the fight scenes go on very long. Yes, this film is nearly, it's 169 minutes, but for, at least for me, I didn't really feel it. Yeah, I thought some of the fight scenes, especially with uh, with John Wick when he was just basically mowing down people with his gun, it kind of gets repetitive when you shoot people like multiple times, but like... If you're not going into that being aware that's going to happen, don't go into John Wick Chapter 4 is probably Honestly. what i say. But yeah, I do think for me it, it did get strenuous at times because it is a nearly three-hour action flick. That's not typical. That When's the last time a three-hour action flick just purely like action, not like the Batman, right? That's I don't recall. Yeah, this is one of the first. I don't think that probably would happen had this not become such a series. And yeah. If, in all honesty, it's kind of a miracle John Wick even worked to begin with because this was almost marketed as a generic action revenge flick with Keanu Reeves past his prime at that point. Yeah. And it took off. It was a sleeper hit at first. Is it is Keanu the credit? You think he's the main reason why this recipe is working for people? It's, he's certainly a draw and... Wick was something of a comeback role for him after making a few like not very successful films and it kind of brought him back into the public eye and Definitely. made him a meme. Definitely. 
Do you think that what they were doing with the stakes, because they clearly upped it in this one, do you think that was working for you? Because some people could maybe argue they liked the personal touch of the first one being just about a guy who is taking revenge for his dog's death, right? It definitely t- speaks to the evolution of it as a series. Like, this one is really going for, like, this high-table organization going is just insanely intricate, right? Yeah. And they're all over the world, and it's a whole criminal organization that is bigger than you could even imagine, right? It's That's the thing I want to say is... I do like that the movie knows it's very self-aware of what yeah, it is. Yeah, all the all the Wick films so far have been. I think this one though leaned on the comedy the most. Weirdly enough. Yes, and that's been something I also saw in Parabellum because in a lot of the action sequences, they're slapstick humor. Yeah. Essentially, because the violence gets so over the top that at some point, like you can't help but just laugh at some of it. Yeah. Some of the spectacle, and the comedy doesn't usually come from the quips. Or the one-liners, like in most most action schlock. Yeah, I kind of enjoy, too. Like, Keanu has this interesting persona about him where all he has to say is, yeah. You know, he just says one oh. word. He's like, I'm going to need a gun. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it, he's just, like, leaning into that kind of American action hero that doesn't need to do whole monologues of why I'm kicking ass. It's just, yeah, I am kicking ass. a few ass. words. Yeah. What did you think... Of just Lawrence Fishburne showing up, Ian, Ian McShane has a couple bit parts to do in this, correct? Yeah, he definitely has a somewhat bigger role than the previous yeah, ones. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed him more in this because he got more to do. And I think some of the some of the stuff he was doing in terms of like the meteor dramatic points, it worked for and me. And we also might add this is the final on-screen role of Lance Reddick as... The concierge. Yeah, rest, rest in, in peace, peace, Lance Reddick. He he had a great time, I'm sure, filming those movies. And guess what? He's great in them. He did a good he job. Is. And also, Clancy Brown himself, Mr. Krabs, <laughs> shows up as another one of the higher-ups of the high table. Yeah. And he does this because he likes money. Yeah. I, money. Can we, can we mention, too, like the fact that I liked how this one went international with their story, whereas I felt maybe some of the other Wicks, like Parabellum definitely went international. Yeah, but... because they go to Casablanca, and there's there are multiple huge set pieces there. Yeah, I think this one, though, it's like a little bit in- more interesting, yeah, the location it, they go to. Yeah, it's like they became essentially like a kind of a globetrotting James Bond, Indiana Jones-style series, but with more blood. Way more blood, way more gun violence. Way and more dead dogs. Yeah, just I am actually surprised that this movie exists too because I don't think this would have existed even ten years ago, Connor. I think probably not. American movies is giving opportunities to these big budget action flicks because guess what? The turnout was great for the theater. It is yeah, bringing people saw, in this theater. Might I add, we saw this at the MC in Georgetown in Dolby Cinema. Last night, at the you time could of feel the punches. As Nicole Kidman says, "Sound and I can fail." Yeah, this was. Might I add, this is one of the most visually stunning action pictures I think I've ever seen. The 
the same cinematographer worked on Guillermo del Toro's films. He got an Academy Award nomination for Nightmare Alley and for Shape of Water. He shot the other Wick sequels. Wow. They're all great-looking films. Some parts of this, visually and orally, took my breath away. Yeah, if you're into movies with very maximalist lighting, this is the one for you because, my God, the saturation, just crank that to an 11. But it looks good, and it kind of fits the tone of the piece, I must say. John Wick is an 11 movie. It's it's pure neon noir at its finest, and some parts were just hypnotic to watch frankly yeah. you you could you could light a reefer and watch this yeah definitely and they that also helps the action sequences because once again onto maximalism there are so many very long takes for these action sequences and massive camera moves and might I add that this film, I think, this series in general, I think may be the top dog of modern action cinema. Wow, no that's a intended. bold take. I'm going to still go with the Mission Impossible franchise because I'm... It's all, Tom Cruise is doing all that. Tom Cruise won, and I like in those movies how the action sequences do vary because Tom Cruise doesn't have to rely on shooting a gun at people. John Wick does rely on having his gun and, like, shooting him and having a bulletproof suit in this one, correct? Yeah, Kevlar. Yeah. And, but even then, the fact that he is joined with all these other, all these other martial artists like Donnie Yen and even Rina Sawayama, who is another highlight of the film in her debut performance, absolutely killing it in those action sequences you can't you can't go into those movies saying the fighting looks bad no you cannot do that and there's no shaky cam there's not much editing in these sequences it all feels so thoroughly rehearsed yeah in ways that haven't been seen in american cinema yeah really at all i do i do have to say though i did talk to a i did talk to a friend after the movie and he said he could tell Keanu's not really moving the same, which could be maybe a fair criticism because Keanu is 59 years old. Yeah, he's getting older. Yeah. He's pushing 60. But for me personally, I thought he did great in he, the film. He can still do it. Yeah, I thought old, he was moving like old, pretty pretty well for a si- almost add, a 60-year-old man. These films probably wouldn't exist without another action picture taken because that Liam Neeson was, again, an older star, veteran actor, past his prime, now... These Old sequels, guys though, can kick ass. these sequels are not on the like these are on a different tier of action yeah, John movie Wick, excellence. John Wick is a much better series with much a much better director working for him and Chastahelski, who was a he was a stuntman, right? He's a literal stuntman yeah, before he was a director of these that, pictures, and that helped with him getting these action sequences looking and feeling as great and as high octane as they are now. And just dazzlingly choreographed. Yeah. The fight scenes almost feel like a dance, but in a good way. You actually do see... You even see Wick getting more vulnerable here because you actually see him getting hurt. You see higher stakes. And that's what makes yeah. an action sequence work for me. Yeah, but the thing is, if you're into hyper-realism in terms of John Wick getting hurt, you're not gonna... Oh, no. He gets shot at how many times and falls... Yeah. Onto concrete and survive. I know. But that's the point, dude. It's John Wick. Like, he is a video game character, essentially. Yeah, if we're really should... trying to psychoanalyze who John Wick is. This, 
I'm surprised a licensed game hasn't come out of it. It would suck anyway. It's because it got that Fortnite skin. That's enough money for them already. Well, yeah. yeah. In all fairness. Shall we pivot to the spoiler section of John Wick Chapter 4? Not just yet. I want to discuss more about the action sequences. Yeah, which ones Which ones these... you want to do without giving too much to the audience, though? There's... I, I don't think any of the action in this disappointed, really. Yeah. Because you go to the picture for this. There's... The the first one at the beginning is kind of a callback to the final fight in the third film between between Keanu Reeves and Mark Dacascos, where you're in this in one of this in a hotel in Japan and you're in this gallery of art pieces of samurai and it's kind of this hall of glass and it gets shattered all the time and it's the first time we see Keanu and Donnie Yen fight. Speaking of which, is Donnie Yen pretty much playing the same character as in Rogue One, but evil? Definitely. More or less. Yeah, more or less. Because he, he should be the... If you're casting a blind swordsman in a film, go to Donnie Yen. He's, he's excelling. He's the best that at it. You was, can't tell me otherwise. That was... if. If in any other movie that would be the best action sequence, but it just keeps this one just keeps delivering. Yeah. This just already the the first action set piece that we have is first of all it's a callback to Lawrence of Arabia where it cuts to the movie's to epic smoke. in scope, huh? It wow. cuts to blowing of a blowing of a candle, blowing of a match, and then to sunset a la Lawrence of Arabia. And there's actually later on when we see these people who are tracking all the different assassins in the high table they they basically keep thorough records and keep track of the bounties on them like John Wick goes from like 20 million to 40 million to 50 million yeah his bounty when, keeps going up cuz they, they cannot take him down they cannot take him down no and there's a dj who shows up at a mic and i i can't couldn't have been the only one who caught this this was basically ripped from the Warriors. It was definitely ripped from the Warriors. Where we only see the DJ seductive lips speaking in a sultry manner and playing a song for him. And guess what? It's even more of a callback to the Warriors. Um, they play nowhere to run. Yeah. We do, we do need to talk about in the spoiler section that one scene with the bigger man. Um, that's all I'll yeah, say. Yeah, that was really... Yeah really something any anything else you want to mention before we jump in given how great the action sequences in this picture are mm -hmm. i think it's time for this it is given just how good the choreography is how much it both like balances comedy at with with violence just like jackie chan can do and just some of the things they do with the stunts in this the stunts mostly are with practical insane. effects too this might be some of the best hand-to-hand -hand combat stunt work in american cinema ever ever dude like i'm not even kidding the because it is maximalist it's like 15 minute sequences of people just fighting each other hand-to-hand -hand, but you they're can't lengthy, tell me but they're worth it you can't tell me it doesn't look good because the guy's a stunt coordinator the director so i don't know and multiple other pundits have said this but i will repeat it it is time 
for best stunt choreography category. You think so? At the Oscars. Couldn't you argue the reason why they're a little afraid of that specific category maybe is because it relies on editing too? It could, but also I feel like it's a little bit of genre prejudice as well against action pictures because this would definitely give more films that ordinarily wouldn't get in a chance. And we've already seen last year was a kill year for action pictures. And with good practical stunts like Everything Ever All At Once, Woman King, even Avatar, even the Marvel films. And... The thing is, though, the Academy clearly does not want to do a Best Blockbuster Oscar Award either, right? Oh, yeah, right? which they, they shouldn't. That means it's like kind of that debate of like what kind of awards do but we add? even then, remember, the Screen Actors Guild has a Best Stunt Ensemble category. And this... for those that don't know... The Screen Actors Guild basically major precursor for the Oscars. They every single award. They predicted every acting award this year. They they are to be taken seriously, and the fact that even stunt people have who who actually work in this. And by the way, they Yo. are a massive credit. Yeah, at in least this film. at least two hundred, right? Yeah, I, they I are know. making. It was a that was a lot. They are part of the reason why you want to go to see this movie. They yeah. are crafting all of these stunts. You can see multiple scene breakdowns on how they actually do this. Yeah. People are risking their lives to do this, and it is absolutely a, another Guys, craft. Guys, we're not kidding. Like, I was concerned for the stunt double people during the movie, and that means they're doing their when job they're, right. Like, falling down the stairs. They're doing their job correctly because that's what they're paid to do. The stunt coordinators are the ones who plan all that. They... Yeah. And the supervisors, they, it takes, can you just, just imagine how much time it actually does take yeah. for all that to come on the screen? I will say this, though. The reason I'm a little bit on the edge of, I'm not sure if we should give an Oscar for stunt coordination is because there's not one for dance. If you're going to do choreography, I think there needs to be a dance one that, and a stunt one. That probably wouldn't fly because there would be dance people judging stunts and it would be cross branch it probably would have worked yeah wouldn't work and also there are not nearly enough musicals coming out these days that are live action but that doesn't so mean you don't award anything. it just because there's not a t there isn't a ton of john wicks if we really start to think well, about yeah. it I'm, but there are plenty of action pictures coming out this year in over the years with good practical stunts true like wouldn't it be kind of a cool Even race fast and furious I, could end up getting nominated for that's an the oscar. thing though like i don't want to live in a world where fast and furious like wins an oscar and banshees of inner sharon didn't dude that's I, what i'm saying like we have to be careful about and, how we're giving Suicide out Oscars. Squad winning another but even then it's still a craft even if you don't like the movie i do admit it's definitely a craft, craft. Yeah. and that needs to be respected and acknowledged and plus might i add stunts I think are the only major film craft that doesn't have an Academy branch. Yeah, that's true. Any choreography in general when it comes to even, like I said before, like dancing, like Black Swan would have probably gotten nominated if there was a dance. In the Heights finally would have gotten an Academy Award nomination. It probably would have. change. And wouldn't it be interesting to see a race between John Wick Chapter 4 and Mission Impossible, the last, like, the last movie that yeah, Tom Dead Reckoning. It'd be a race, one. right? So it'd be an interesting watch. Yeah, it's. I think this this debate also happens every year. So I think considering what a banger year for action films it was last year, and how it may be even better this year with Wick and Mission Impossible, and 
of course, multiple Marvel films coming out this year. It's about time. Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, we are calling on you to create both a stunts branch in the Academy and a best stunt choreography category. It's about time you honor, and you honor motion pictures that wouldn't get honored otherwise because this isn't necessarily about the quality of the story as much as it is that particular craft. It's a special you... effect almost. I would describe it kind of. It is. But it's a specialized special effect where it's not computerized. It's yeah, human it's beings, boots real. on the ground, getting pummeled. Yeah, and you believe that people are getting the shit beat out of them. Because sometimes they do. They get injured on set sometimes. Like, yeah. this happens. Jackie, Jackie Chan cracked his head open while working on Armor God. If anyone's in interested 80s. in seeing an actor put himself on the line for a movie, watch the Police Story 2 stunt. Just look it up on YouTube. You don't have to put much more on the on the keyboard. And even look at the the, the outtakes that he does after every movie. Yeah, he got, he got severe burns from the stunt if you watch it. And it's like... And the, yeah. In the first one where he goes down the pole at the mall... You can you can definitely you can already see him getting yeah. burns on his hands, but and you can't tell me like that's not one of the most memorable action sequences in cinema history. You can't tell me like that's not it. So yeah, and we haven't seen a lot since then, at least in American cinema, because Hollywood, and Hollywood is notorious for this. They they hire actors who just can't fight, or they just cut the crap out of each sequence which first of all makes them incomprehensible and second of all completely hides the actual craft of the stunt coordination yeah that's what i liked about like john wick is just we're gonna show keanu move and they, if you don't like how he moves at the age of 60 too bad because that's him they just show it as is yeah and that's what i love about it that's something that really i've only seen like hong kong cinema do as well as but not films. nearly as I, I i would have to say the, the, the style and like the execution of the amount of money that goes into this franchise can we talk about the budget for this one because i think it's close to the 200 million range if i'm not mistaken yeah the budget for this film was around because it looks like a 200 million dollar picture it was 100 million it was 100 wow they did a good job with their 100 million because it looked great yeah, it was still it was still expensive to make. Yeah, and it's and doing well, the money's right? Money's on the screen. It's doing well in the box office. Yeah, it's pro. It's it's definitely gonna probably be the number one film of the weekend. Yeah, so and it's definitely gonna. So if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go check it out because right now we're gonna go spoiler heavy. We're gonna yeah. just go for it because we got to. It's John Wick Chapter Four. Let's do we it. We need to talk. Spoiler now. This film, it's not necessarily an action sequence per se, but the final fight in the film is not even a martial arts fight sequence like in the rest of the action sequences. It's a duel. It's a standoff. And it even, well, first of all, the big comeback you can see is Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which is when you you hear some pretty obvious Ennio Morricone-esque sounding temp music yeah. in the, there. I think some of, the, some of the film references in the movie... They're on the nose, but I freaking loved it. Yeah, and they basically have this very Barry Lyndon-like final duel. The where, same pistol. It's the same pistol as Barry Lyndon. Where, they, where they're given the round, and then they have to take 30 paces, and then 3, 2, 1, fire yeah. at the same time. 
and it ends up being a 50-50 on who gets shot. Yeah, and I have to say, too, I, I liked how we have to mention this. John Wick passes away at the end of this film. Yes. And, and he's it, gone. Like, he's not coming back. He is, is dead. This is the final film in the John Wick series. Like, Keanu Reeves, like, officially. is no more. Like, he's, he he's is, done with this he franchise. He is no more. He has ceased to be. Because I have to say. He's an expert bereft of life. He rests in peace. If he wasn't nailed to the perch, he would be pushing up the daisies. This is an ex-parrot. I like, too, like, because he chose it in the end, his own death, because clearly he's not going down unless he chooses it, and I like how they kept with that yeah, he, energy. He, it's a sacrifice Yeah. in the end. What did you think, though, of, like, that comeback move with Bill, Bill Skarsgård getting, like, killed instantly because he didn't shoot his bullet? I, I thought it was a little bit cheese for me, personally. Oh, come on, that was awesome. You liked that? You you got like a little kick out of it yeah. when Bill Skarsgård got killed. They're like, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I I liked more the emotional stuff between him and Donnie Yen because for those that like that was a gripping scene. Though. For those that have seen the movie, because hopefully you did and you're in this section. Donnie Yen's daughter is in trouble because Skarsgård has her by the by the basically chokehold, metaphorically speaking, right? And if you don't kill John Wick, I will. I will do things to your daughter that only I can do because I'm the head of the high table, right? Yeah. And it was ballsy, but also I respect it that they gave Wick a good send off, even though it was like, even though it was, he ended up getting what he wanted yeah. and it was like a death with honor. If anyone's seen uh, the last James Bond movie, No Time to Die, this send off is way better than Daniel Craig's, I, I have to say. Yeah, probably. And it's because like, and also, and also, you didn't have pre-existing Bond fans um, bitching and moaning that James Bond can't die. Yeah, because <laughs> if you're going into John Wick trying to psychoanalyze the biology of everything, you're you're doing the Don't wrong thing. Don't read too thing. much into it. Yeah, because it, this is an action flick at its peak. Like American cinema, just throw a hundred million and put Keanu Reeves. This is what the movie is. And I have to say, I really enjoyed the comedy they used when he was falling down a, a shit ton of stairs. Yeah, that it, was... It was like six flights highlight. of like concrete stairs that he was going down, and then he stops, and he's like, oh, And then he goes down again because he gets kicked. Yeah. I like that on the, the nose comedy. The scenes that I expected to get laughs from the audience were the, the admittedly, excuse me, admittedly the few one-liners that show up in the film like him saying yeah or yeah. like the brief little but it wasn't moments. it was but the more physical it was comedy the action sequences it's a sl it's it's slapstick yeah what did you think of we have to mention this because i was trying to not tell this for the audience that hadn't seen the movie but the the asian martial arts influence in this movie is overt and i like it dude i like when they're going bow and arrow samurai fighting like in the middle yeah. of the movie because john wick i don't think it leaned into that as much as as in this movie, right? The Asian martial arts aspect? Yeah, not quite as much. It definitely, it leans more into it here because you have Donnie Yen as this formidable opponent slash... Which, might I add, rival. very badass blind character that kind of is like a daredevil, an Asian daredevil mixed with Just better martial arts skills. He even has little devices he puts around the room so he can hear when the opponents. It's a motion sensor device. I thought yeah. that was pretty freaking cool. The the doorbell. Yeah, and he uses his his lack of vision to an advantage. Definitely. 
What what did you think? Lawrence Fishburne kind of got side sidetracked for yeah. this picture. The motherfucking high table. <laughs> yeah, I I was okay with it though. I I liked. Let's just put it on Keanu just doing action. Yeah. Because even I have to say too, they kind of forced in that wife component when he died, right? Even though the wife had nothing to do with this movie until the end. Yeah, later on in his in his final dramatic moments, he gets a flashback to him with his his dead wife. Yeah, and he's like, Helen, no. <laughs> you know, instead of saying, yeah, he says, Helen. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, Keanu, it, like, you're, you're not, I thought it worked, dude. I'm just going to be straight up. Like, if I had friends comment to me, like, Keanu's just not doing it for me anymore, I'm like... It watch depends, John like, Wick and you will change your mind. Yeah, like, if, what are you trying to watch in John Wick? Are, are you, you trying, trying to watch, watch badass action sequences? Are you sequences? trying to watch Always Be My Maybe? That's what I'm saying. With like, him, this is a different crying. type of movie. You, he's leaning into the fact that, like, a stunt a stuntman is directing and writing this picture, and we're just totally overt with the film references in this movie, and I liked it. Yeah, and... Yeah, John Wick 4 did not disappoint, and if I'm being honest, very few pictures have come out this year, I will admit, that are of note, because we're still in the spring season. Um, things will definitely pick up more in the summer and fall, but this is my favorite movie of the year so far. Wow, that's really bold. I think this is... this. Uh, I liked it more than Inside. I'm going to be straight up. I, I haven't... We haven't obviously seen the stuff from the festivals just yet. Yeah. Like but Sundance, but it, it, my number one is definitely going to change. Yeah. With with Because we festivals. can't, we can't count The Quiet Girl as this year. We can't. Yes, a 2022 yeah. release, That's a 2022. And I'm, pr- I'm predicting my number one to potentially be, like, past lives. Wow. Yeah, when that comes out, for That's sure. That's easily an anticipated film for me. This might be a good time, though, since we are done talking about chapter four. Let's talk about John Wick franchise as a whole and where each film ranks in the franchise yeah. for personal picks. Um, mine would be... Let's so let's start with let's start with number four and then we go down the list. So we do four, four, three, three, kind of like we did last time. Yeah, so we're, so we're going to be doing like worst to best or best to worst? Let's do worst to best. Yeah, worst yeah. to best. All right, two. John Wick two is your number four pick. Yeah, it had some great action sequences, but it's the one I come back to the least for some reason. Mm. That's the one that's probably least memorable for you? Is that what you would say? Yeah, even though like one particular sequence, which I'll mention later, is easily the best, one of the best in the whole series. Yeah. And might I add, all four of these films are great. Check them out if you haven't. Yeah, well, this is what I'll say. My number four pick is John Wick 3, Parabellum. Parabellum. I have to say the maximalism in that movie... It got overbearing. Not that it got overbearing. It's just I wasn't, like, adjusted maybe to, like, the fact that we were just going to have 15-minute action sequences of just fighting. Yeah. Whereas in this one, I feel like they just cranked it up to a point where I was like, okay. Up to 11. Yeah, and I think in the third one, it, they weren't doing that quite yet. They weren't, it was, the, you're saying like the fight scenes were lengthy, but they weren't cranking it enough to 11 for you. Almost, be because it was like, they were trying to have a story in three. I don't know if you remember, there was a legitimate story of him hunting, uh, he had to go find Holly Berry at one point. Yeah. 
and like she had some dogs that they were fighting with. A globetrotter. A globetrotter type. Like that's the thing, because I view these movies as video game type movies, and that video game had almost too much of a serious story. And I'm like, the point of these movies is to just go hard with the gun violence and like. Yeah. Although I will say, I respect that the this recent most recent one. It started off with an action sequence, but it took its time. The first big scale scene wasn't until about a half hour in. Yeah. And and number three, it was at points the action choreography wasn't as strong as this one, and I think it got stale for me in the third one. I I thought that was probably like as strong as the series could really? get with the choreography. And four just kind of dwarfed that even that because yeah, Even maybe then, like, maybe the... that's what's hurting three about me too, is because like that was the one that's freshest in my mind, and then I watched four yesterday, and that that rocked my socks. I'm just it, gonna say it, yeah, like because John McFour has three had set somewhat of a precedent, four took it further. It's a nearly three hour movie. Like two is long because it's like two hours and fifteen, but it's not the same level of yeah. epicness. What's your number three pick? Connor? Um, probably Parabellum. Parabellum. What did you like that I probably didn't like? I I think I was a little more adjusted to the action sequences than you. I actually saw it. I did not see it in Dolby, but I saw it in theaters when it was in Cinemark XD, and that was a great experience too. Got you. Yeah, I, I remember watching it with my brother. Fantastic. I think, and like my brother's actually a really big fan of the franchise, and he like liked me? three. Yeah, and I was like at that point where I'm like, I don't know if I liked three because I. I do like to like what you'll see later with my ranking of why I'll explain why I like the other ones. But yeah, so my number three is going to be John Wick chapter one. Really? Yeah. That's a hot take. That is a hot take. I think the franchise didn't know what it was yet. One is why I think it's lower. I don't think it was supposed to be a franchise at first. The action scenes are very minimalist. Like think about the scale. Although even then they're so well shot and choreographed that you, that when I first saw the film I didn't really notice that. And plus it was a much smaller budget film than the so later ones. small budget compared to these new ones. Um, and two, I I like the simplicity of the storyline, but you can't tell me that is a little bit like, I don't know. It's not like the most in depth like the, reasoning. The sequels obviously dwarf it because i think the first one was trying to get that emotional aspect of the movie down right yeah but i think in the new ones they kind of just were like let's just crank the action up here yeah so that's why first I put one is it. certainly more that's why i put driven. john wick one but i do i do have to say beautiful lighting keanu reeves killed it in his first impression Surpri- such a surprise of a film too yeah what's your number it two should have been that film should have been awful and it wasn't yeah um, what's your number two number two is one John Wick one. So what did you like more that I probably didn't? I guess because I don't don't have as much recency bias towards the sequels, because I I did like the fact that they that that first one was also more character driven, and it being the first in the series and just being just me having so much respect for what it had done to action cinema, especially in America. Yeah, and the fact that I hadn't really seen action sequences even though they were simpler than later on and not quite as over the top it was still some of the best of its kind the baba yaga he's coming yeah and you that was the one where you i feel like didn't want to fuck with john wick the 
you want to fuck with him the least. Yeah, because I think it kind of did more of that like slow motion, like he's a threat stuff in terms of the vibe of the movie. Whereas yeah. obviously the other ones, it's just like, let's just show him kick some ass, right? Yeah. What's your, so I should do my number two now, right? Yeah. You're going to be surprised, but I'm actually going to put John Wick Chapter 4 as my number two pick. Really? You like two better? I like two better, but I will say this. Why I like number four as my number two pick is... Recency bias, probably. I don't think it's recency bias. I think the series finally knew what it was by number four. Like, this is the oh, most... Certainly. This is the most um, in assurance of its identity that I've seen in the franchise because, it, like you said, it got slapstick at points because it has to. The absurdity of this guy... Shooting everybody twice, in, which yeah. I do like Shooting in movies. Every, everybody like five times, even though he already. Yeah. Like, but like the realism ish of that, of like, yeah, an American hero would do that. They knew what they were doing. They didn't go into that whole emotional storyline that I think maybe John Wick 1 was trying to do. That doesn't really land. And for even me. the emotional core of that film happens through not necessarily character moments, but also through the drama. Through the last duel in John Wick 4, yeah. the tension and drama happens through that. It's yeah. kind of it's and I, very Sergio Leone esque. The epicness of four really got to me. I I liked the scope of this one a lot. Like so that's why it's my number two. But what's your what's your number one? My number one? one is actually four. Your number I, one is four. I know I don't usually have recency bias like this, but I You think, think it's strong, the recency bias? This case it is. Yeah. You have to admit, like, the scope of it was just you can't you can't tell me that it didn't go like swinging the franchise like it went out swinging hard which you have to respect yeah and it's a good damn good finale although i am a little apprehensive that because ballerina with Ari armas is coming out and the fact that they did bring rina sawayama back for the after credit sequence there's gonna be I more stuff there's i don't really think wick needs a cinematic universe Although yeah. I can understand why, because the high table has such lore around it. Yeah, people like that. I I, I, I kind of like it how it is with Keanu Reeves, though, I must say. Yeah, I think it's fine with those four films. I think it was a good send-off for the character. Yeah, my number one is actually John Wick Chapter 2, and I'll explain yeah. why. I really liked... This was the first introduction of the high table as a concept in the movie. Yeah. The first one doesn't mention this whole organization, like, and it's, like, Yeah, he's layers. just going after these evil Russians. That's the first one that builds the world. And two, that's the first one that kind of does the action sequences, like, choreographed to the point of, we have a budget now. Like, yeah. Whereas you could clearly tell the first one didn't have a budget, so we had to, like, cut down on certain scenes, which I understand. But the second one is, is the one that that got more of a chance to do its thing, I think. Yeah. And Keanu is awesome in all of them. I think in that one is the first time I saw like that kind of, oh, he can actually do like elaborate stunts with his choreography. I couldn't tell from that in the first one. I could just yeah. tell he was a badass. It's not, like, it's not like the Matrix where he's replaced with CG half the time. Yeah, I think this is kind of his like weird response to, did you think I could just do CGI stunts? Look at me go hand to hand. It's very impressive on his part. Yeah. Shall we do the top five action sequences in the John Wick franchise? Yeah. Yeah. I need a gun. <laughs> so, we're doing my number five, your number five? Yeah. Like we see. have been doing? All right. I'm going to pull it up on my laptop here. That way I get the list correct. Number five. What's your number five, Connor? The 
final duel in part three between him and Mark Dacascos. Wow. Because that kind of set a precedent for the first action sequence in the fourth film. Gotcha. In a similar hall of mirrors. And watching that in the theater was kind of breathtaking. Yeah, I have to say that's actually not on my list. So I'm like, I'm surprised like weirdly that you put it because like we said, this is a tough, this is a tough one to do. It was a hard one. There's so, there's like double digit action scenes in these films, right? That are worthy. So yeah, that's a good choice. My number five. The horse stable scene in Parabellum when he's riding on a horse yeah. in the streets. I believe it's is it New York City? I want to say. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, how can I? It's Keanu Reeves on a horse, dude. Like. How can this, you not love it? And I know it's like maybe you're like how this maybe it didn't look fake, dude. I can no. tell he actually rode a horse. If I there were visual effects, it was the it was minimal. the green screen maybe. Right. It was minimal. Yeah. Though. It wasn't so obvious it wasn't like the star wars prequels where it was this yeah. fucking glob of cg and i like too when action sequences do something different because like i was saying earlier john wick tends to have this slight problem with he relies on shooting his gun all the time as yeah. like his action but in that specific sequence his action is riding a goddamn horse in the streets of new yeah. york and that concept actually relates to my number one no spoilers. Ooh, okay. What's your number four, though? My number four is when he stabs everyone with a fucking pencil in part two. Ooh, I, I like that scene, so I won't spoil where that is, but it's coming up. That's what I'll hint at. Yeah. That one's great. My number four, the library scene with Boban Moriar. His last name is too hard, so I'll just say it's Boban. If anybody watches the NBA for some context, John Wick has an action scene in chapter three with a real life NBA basketball player that I Bias. kid you that I kid you not is 7 foot 5. He is massive. Like he doesn't even have to jump when he dunks. And yeah. I loved that scene because it is a little slapsticky with the comedy as yeah. well. And I just yeah, I like seeing a huge guy trying to beat up Keanu Reeves. I'm sorry. And also NBA. NBA. I love basketball, so Boban, Boban too. I don't know if anybody watches NBA. I don't. He's one of the most uh, likable guys in the NBA because he's kind of the friendly giant of the league, and it's kind of funny to see him playing a very antagonistic and character. He knocks his head right in. Yeah, and he's having fun with the role too. I like when actors just have fun with the role. Okay, what's your number three? The 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 aforementioned stairs sequence in part four. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a really good because that is the police story moment of number four, right? And where he pulls off the more insane stunts. Yeah. And having to fall down the hundred and twenty stairs. And the fact that he's already injured and yeah. he's being commanded No, he's messed up by the high table to climb up. I think that he hole. got shot right before this too, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The hundred and twenty flight of 120 stairs and then it gets even more satisfying to see the baddies just tumble down and to see donnie yen join in because guess what going, the stunt double is actually doing it guys 120 stairs some stunt double did that on screen for us so respect it that's all i'm saying my number three the knife fight in parabellum with the, do you remember that knife fight where he almost gets it in the guy's eye yeah I thought that was gruesome. 
and he actually does get it in his eye at one point because yeah, it, it is a callback. It's a callback, like you said, to the second movie, right? And it's a slapstick comedy scene, ostensibly. And that's kind of the like one of the first times I saw the martial arts like really impress me in the films. I must say, because I have to be honest, it was more gun violence in the first two, whereas the third one it was really adding that martial arts component. Yeah, that's actually my number two choice. Your number two. That is was my fight. number one until. Yeah. Until chapter four came out. Okay. Wow. So my number two is the showdown in Osaka in chapter four with the glass, just the samurai swords, the storyline of father, don't help John Wick. A friend is only good if they can operate when it's not convenient is basically what he says, right? It gave it stakes to the battle. Yeah. I liked it. And do we need to say the cinematography in the in the sequence in chapter four in Japan, excellent, excellently done. Excellent. Most excellent adventure. My number one. What's your number one? Is, for context in the movie, right after John Wick and Donnie Yen meet up with this this Don with the gold teeth. Wow, that's an a interesting number scene, one occurs in in this massive nightclub environment. Yeah. It is one of the most stunning action sequences I think I've seen in a while. The this the, the way they and executed that scene is very interesting too because it seems like a dream more than yeah, all the other sequences. I got goosebumps during this moment because yeah. of the the way the neon lighting and sound mixing were done. And they're might I add, they're playing poker at the same time, too. So it adds, like, that cool They're playing element. poker before it. Yeah. I'm talking about the scene. Well, I feel like they're connected, right weirdly. They're yeah. connected, the two scenes, because you can't have them start fighting randomly because it adds, no. like, a reason they're fighting. Uh, My number one. And he, and the things that Keanu goes through in this scene, he falls down, he falls on concrete, and he looks like he could have broken all of his bones in his body, and he gets up. And the way he pummels the the Don in the face right after that. And the Don is, might I add, 300 pounds. So it is yeah. a very worthy and he opponent. Has to, at that incredibly badass moment where he has to get his inhaler right in the middle of the scene yep. for his next his next vicious moment. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very well and, done scene. And this is the first scene in the movie where I think I see John Wick getting hurt and vulnerable. He's the finally, vulnerability yeah. of the hero is a key to a great action sequence. True. My number one getting hurt. My number one is the subway fight with the pencil in chapter two. The first introduction of the Good pencil one. kill. The reason I like it so much is Which is called back to in the stair scene in the Yeah. In chapter four. Yeah, the reason I liked it a lot was because at that part of the story. This is when every single person in the high table is just gunning for him because there's a bounty. And yes, they do this again like in later iterations of the franchise, but this was the first time I was severely like concerned about Wick, I guess, because I there was just so many obstacles being thrown his way at that point. Yeah. Like he would be walking down the street and some random guy would try to kill him and he had to like improvise because he had no weapon at the time. And he gets resourceful. He gets very resourceful. Oh, Uses a pencil. pencil to kill somebody gruesomely as John Wick would, right? Yeah. Wow. So 
I think that about wraps up our conversation about John Wick. That was a pretty good one, Connor. What did you think? I thought it was strong. One of our stronger ones. Yeah, I think as of yet. I don't think it has to be like said again, but action movies, this is a must watch if you're into them, right? Certainly. Yeah. And this is one of the better ones to come out of Hollywood, at least at least in the past twenty years. This is one of the few I think I, that can along with everything ever once that can really rival Hong Kong cinema. I think so too. To and can I just say this too? I'm happy that there's all types of movies that exist and there's a movie for everyone. So I don't want to see these disappear weirdly because no. sometimes movies are good to just go into the theater and enjoy yourself and have a good two hours of your time because we live in you know these very, very difficult times right now. So these movies are clearly an escapism it's element escapism. for people. So thank you, Hollywood, for keeping like these alive because guess what? Other countries, Connor... They don't have these type of movies out. Except for Hong Kong, Yeah, obviously. and I heard China is doing these kind of movies as well where they're kind of trying to take influence from the MCU. I heard the green screen and the technology is just so unwatchable in these movies. The yeah, writing is, the writing too is just like, but in this one, that's the thing about these American blockbusters is they know what they are. Keanu Reeves' writing maybe is not top tier, but guess what? I don't think he wrote the script, though. He's badass, dude. He's so badass in the movie. So Obviously. it works. It definitely works on a certain yeah. level. So that about wraps up this episode. Um, there are a few upcoming releases coming out in the next couple weeks, um, mostly as art house counter-programming to films that are already out, i.e. Quantumania, Creed Three, John Wick. And the, big, the bigger temples coming out are Air... Which is the one about Air Jordan? I'm watching by that. Ben I'm biased because I love basketball. I'm watching Ben Affleck direct again because I think he's great behind the camera. Yeah, and I respect him for not doing a Marvel movie. And I'm looking particularly forward to seeing Viola Davis as Michael Jordan's mom in that. And Mario's coming out also, another very anticipated one among some. I'm cautious about it, but I think there is some potential. I have to admit, I'm a better... huge Mario fan, it, so I'm definitely going to see it. Yeah, but... it could definitely be... I, I can see it definitely being yeah. one of the better video game movies. I'm just, made, like, a little, like, much. unsure because I'm a little bit harder on kids' movies now that I got older, I must say. Great, great kids' movies have come out. Disney, True. Pixar, I, lo- I loved Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I thought yeah. that was a great one. Um, the one thing I'm apprehensive about is Chris Pratt as Mario. I was not impressed with him in the trailers at all. We'll but in terms of the art house counter-programming that... I'm looking a little more forward to. Yeah. No, I mean, peasants. No, uh, don't say that. The The thing is, there's different type of movies. Like I know. You're saying. I know, but. What, this, what, this what are the like ones you're looking niche. forward to? Um, um, a Thousand and One, a debut feature out of Sundance starring Tiana Taylor. A musician, got right? raves out of Sundance, and that is going to expand to theaters. About a single mom in New York City. And the trailers look fantastic, yeah. and I'm excited to see this one. I'm happy these Focus kind of stories are being released, too, because I'm I'm not sure I've seen too many movies where they focus on a single black mother in New York. I I know for, for a more mainstream crowd, the Tetris film with oh, yeah. Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton. I saw the ads Apple for TV. that. Are we watching that? We Maybe. might watch it. Maybe. The two I'm looking forward to a lot, though, are Rye Lane, which Rye Lane. It was one of the most acclaimed films to come out of Sundance, probably second to past. Debut Lies. feature. It was a, debut a quick feature. hour and it's 22. It's a British film. Yeah, we it definitely need to watch that. It's a romantic comedy, but it is shot entirely on a fish lens, 
and the color scheme Bold. is insane, and it is very influenced by the style of Edgar Wright. For those that don't know, fisheye lens tends to give your image a little bit of distortion when it comes to the depth of field. kind of looks a little bit ovular, right? Yeah, this is maximalist direction from what I get into the trailers. We'll see how that and works. the ads and images from the film, and pretty much everyone who came out of Sundance came out saying this, this and past lives were basically tied for their favorite of the festival. And another one, which I have also seen ads for, and it really intrigued me as soon as I saw trailers for it. It it came out of Cannes last year, but only is getting distribution now from Neon. Which one is it? Um, An Ice Man. It oh, is a, An Ice a British folk horror film that, based on what I've seen, is very much paying tribute to films of the 70s, such as The Wicker Man and Don't Look Now. And it is shot on grungy 16mm film, it is, I heard, quite an experimental and avant-garde horror picture. I mean, if you're shooting 16 millimeter, looks, you kind of have to sometimes. The trailer, it looks fantastic. This yeah. looks like my kind of spooky horror film. Yeah, for those that don't know, 16 millimeter will give you a ton of it's grain in the film. The but, picture was extremely grainy. I yeah. could have, you could have told me that this film was made in the 70s, and I would have believed you. Yeah, so that's gonna be an interesting watch. We are going to try our next episode. On YouTube live, we're gonna do it live instead of do a recording because we did we needed to get we'll do accepted. it live. We're gonna we, fuck it. We'll do YouTube, it live. YouTube has to accept us first, so this will be like our proof of concept kind of thing, and then we're gonna get a live guest because we're gonna do everything everywhere all at once. 4K. You just bought it, dude. We yeah, have to do it. I bought it for it was listed as 42 bucks at Barnes and Noble, but I was able to get a discount on it because it was a recent release, and also it won Best Picture. So I was like. I snatched it as soon as I found yeah, it. Yeah. I I had to. That is my favorite film of the year. Possibly one of my favorites of all time. That's pretty now. cool. You you're you're getting the physical media. I respect that. Because yeah. that type of art form is dying, getting the actual copy of I, the thing. I needed that movie on physical media and we are going to do an in depth discussion on that film. It we'll bring in a guest for that one. And it's I most think. likely gonna be it could even be our longest episode to date because there's so that film is particularly. Dense we gotta go. We gotta go so through some of the scenes there because it. yeah, it's it's one of those movies. It's generational. Yeah, and it is such an important film for this cultural moment, yeah. and it's a moment, a picture we need to talk to more. Yeah, talk and, about more and bring a guest in because that's gonna make it more fun for everyone. So yeah, just stay tuned for that. Well, we all we just want to say thanks for sticking this far into the episode. Uh, we just also, once again, want to say rest in peace to Lance Reddick. Awesome actor. Rest in peace. Well, yeah. thank you for listening for Before Showtime with Connor and Marcelo. Marcello.